0: Good morning, good afternoon or good evening and welcome back for another week of geeking in. It still looks scary outside, so what better things to do some time indoors with friends watching stuff that we can geek in about? Um, I am Jay and joined as always uh by uh our futurist, our very own Tony Stark. How are you doing, T? I'm good. I'm good. Hello, everyone. And um, Mr. Fantastic with his fantastic lucky PJs. How are you doing, B?
1: Salutations. I'm good, thank you.
0: Um, so we've got some good stuff to talk about this week. We'll start with a little bit of housekeeping from last week. Um, I asked, I challenged people. I said, if you are interested in hearing T tell his version of the star wars story as a bedtime story then tweet (laughs) us um you know interact with us on any of our social media at geeking in and tell us that you want to hear this and we did get one of our listeners um chime in and say that they would be very very interested in this um so that pressure is starting to build and you know i i think um i think you you should be listening to that and uh uh, Judy, who uh, sent in the thing, you know, thank you for your uh, thank you for your comments and uh, happy birthday for last week. So, T, I think I think it's, it's coming. I think we're going to do a special episode of you telling your your bedtime story of Star Wars.
2: I mean, if if Judy's the only request, Judy can have a have a private recording <laughs> for her birthday.
0: <laughs> um. Anyway, so the news. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where we've gone. I'll, I'll admit, I don't know where we've got with that. Um, but let's let's focus on news. Let's, let's 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 calm those wild horses down. And get some news. so, I thought we'd start by talking a little bit about um, uh, Todd McFarlane and Spawn. So, in just over 48 hours, um, Spawn has managed to uh, raise uh, at least one million dollars to create a very high detailed statue. Um, past the incredible milestone really, really quickly. Uh, Tom McFarland said that the of the fandom continues to show us how resilient it is of all of us to continue to in the reality in the strange world right now. is a testament to the sheer size of fandom that any comic character can generate five million dollars of excitement in such a short period of time. That my character spawn. Help keep some of the so and help keep some of that enthusiasm going is very rewarding. Number, and I can't wait for our comic industry get back to normal. So, I can personally thank the fans myself. Mm-hmm. Um, as of earlier today, it was at one million twenty two thousand six hundred forty five dollars. Wow. just done eight thousand backers, which means each backer had invested around hundred and twenty eight dollars each into the campaign. Wow. Uh, McFarlane's description for this was in 1992. The very first Spawn comic hit the shelves, selling sales record, setting sales records for an independent comic. A few years later, in 95, the first Spawn action figure was released to retail and critical acclaim, helping to rush a whole new way of giving you much detailed and much detailed art in your action figures. Now, 25 years later, Todd McFarlane is joining forces with Kickstarter to help deliver an updated version of the original 95 toy and comic release Spawn obviously a big thing in 92 and the film in 97 uh, followed um, a special ops uh, agent called Al Simmons who was killed by one of his colleagues, made a deal with the devil to lead his hell Hell's Army, if only he could come back and speak to his wife Wanda, only for the devil to shockingly screw him on the deal, who ever could have thought that was happening with a deal mm-hmm. with the devil uh, so he came back as a burnt charred uh, hellspawn five years after and found that his wife had moved on and married his best friend um, the rest of the comics that have been running since then have uh, been about him building his uh, armies to march on heaven and hell and go from there um, so there's a meant to be a reboot of the film rumoured with uh, Jamie Foxx and Jeremy Renner attached to it um, mm-hmm. T, how are you feeling about Spawn? Do you think that this show, there's a market for a a Spawn film or a Spawn TV show or Spawn
2: still in 2020? I'm going to put my hands up to start with and just say I'm really sorry. I've never read a Spawn comic. Uh, I love the whole concept. I love the fact that, you know, they went off and made image comics and they had this whole indie publishing thing. I, I love it all. Uh, I wasn't reading comics back then. It was what ninety two, you said. I don't, I don't think I was reading back in ninety two, <laughs> <laughs> just about maybe. Um, but you know, I've I've benefited as a fan from the existence of all these indie labels, certainly. Um, but no, never read Spawn apart from a few crossovers he did with Batman. Uh, yep. But those were published under 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 DC Comics. I have seen the film. Uh, it was insane, but I absolutely loved it. Um, I can really feel. I I can imagine. You know, if you were there. Uh, and you, you saw that transition of these big names, you know, Jim Lee and um, and Todd McFarlane and and Mark Silvestri, all kind of making that move. And then you'd just feel like a supporter of this, you know, with with the comics, you'd have that personal connection, wouldn't you, to support? So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That and that's the fan base now with with the with the dollars to spend. I mean, it's really interesting. I remember uh, watching McFarlane talk about um, uh launching Image Comics, and there was a big thing with. Um, the amount of money creators were getting because they were just getting you know, a straight cut of, of the sales. Um, and you know they would do kind of one issue and that was enough to go and retire and they wouldn't finish their <laughs> comics because that was more than enough. So what stayed on you know, is that people who are you know, very loyal to their own creations and, and, and what they were doing there. So it's the same with the fan base, isn't it? Uh, so if you were part of that journey, of course you'd pay for it. If you are part of that journey, of course you'd watch it. Just as a concept, as a story, it's really fascinating. Um, and there's been lots of things that have fed off the Spawn story, as well. I'd love to see it done with today's technology. I'd love to see um, um, uh, uh, so a movie done with today's technology, but also uh, a comic. I think set in today's world where uh, the mass market understands superheroes, or the mass market are at that point where they're really into all of this stuff. So it, you know, general cinema goers now are where comic book fans were. Um, back in the yeah. sort of you know early 90s uh, so that t- chance now to kind of spin off and do this kind of huge independent story that's there again and that's really exciting and I think there'd be a lot of people on for that journey as well
0: uh, yeah yeah i and I, I think this is the thing I think I think that uh, if you look at that group of characters created in this um, there's some some really interesting kind of st- stories and and things to tell on this. Um, Sam and Twitch both generated from this and are rumoured to have a show bouncing around, uh, kind of a crime procedural set in this very weird world. Um, And uh, Angela started in that and has now been uh, appropriated by um, uh, Marvel. Back Um, into Marvel, yeah. So um, some real strength in that character's B, would you want to see a film would you want to see a tv show or or is the comic book run and the uh the nostalgia of the comic book run enough to, for your spawn
1: um hunger well firstly be <clears> my <throat> firstly i think todd mcfarland's a superb artist um i love you know his work he did with with you know venom and he's really brought that on to um onto spawn um yep. Beautiful artwork. Um, obviously, Frank Miller's obviously involved with the story writing on this. Um, I recently purchased um, Spawn 300, which luckily enough was signed by Todd McFarlane, so that's in my collection. Um, I saw the original movie, I thought it was great. Um, I think in this day and age, I think Spawn would fit right in <clears throat> to the character lineup. Um, the ultimate anti hero, if you like. Um, yeah, I think it'd be brilliant. Um, I think the stories would would fit in really great. Would be really original. Um, and you know, like as T was saying, you know, it, a Spawn movie in you know in in this day and age with all the computer graphics, all the tech thrown at it, would be you know providing the money's there, would be totally awesome. Would definitely pay tickets to um, go and watch.
2: It was the first movie with a CGI cape, wasn't it? It It was. was. I mean, it's interesting because they've all got CGI capes now, but it took so long to cotton on to the idea that just don't give Batman a piece of cloth behind his back. This will look better if we can draw it.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It's been a while since I've watched the Spawn film, but I don't know if this um, pushed that argument on or kind of paused it for a while because it did look, you know, it's, it's that early CG that, You know, bless them, they hadn't quite worked out the shading on things. So it does look very, very kind of um, added rather than, you know, there's nothing organic about it. Mm, Um, Very artificial. Uh, yeah, it does look drawn onto the scene. So it was, but yeah, I mean, it was it was revolutionary for some of the stuff it did fairly
2: early on. So, mm. having not read the comic, is his cape in the comic meant to be a bit of material, or is it kind of some smart thing that's sort of meant to flow around him? His all that?
0: entire suit is is kind of a living, breathing mm. thing. So um, yeah, the 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 chains and the the cape all having kind of a little bit more kind of um, natural movement mm-hmm. um is is part of it and again that's that's one of the big things is um now that that kind of continual motion that his costume would be in is far more easily done than it was in 97 it wouldn't have been able to be anywhere near that beforehand
2: be it's interesting you know what you said about uh, bog work on venom you know his art is just so distinct so as soon as oh, you said absolutely. a Spawn statue, I could kind of picture it because you're picturing a McFarlane-drawn Spawn yeah. cat thing, whereas if I was to say a Spider-Man statue, you know, it would look completely yeah. different to all of our, in all of our minds. Um, and, of and, course, and, it was drawn to be that extreme as well and to really come alive off the page, off the panel, um, so it, can, it really think, sits well as a statue.
0: Yeah, and I think what gives us that real kind of clear idea of what that would look like in 3D is the work that McFarlane Toys did to really kind of bring on and revolutionise... Uh, you know comic book toys and action figures in that time you know really cost the the articulation in it mm-hmm. because they were making you mini plastic statues and selling them to you as action figures mm-hmm. um, but you know the 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 level of design and the level of detail and the level of you know, delight that went into some of those early toys um were just stunning.
2: And I think, you know, it it started to bridge that gap between being a collector's item and being a kid's toy. Uh, And it's something, you know, that that they're still struggled with a little bit now. But if you think about, say, the Marvel Legends things, you know, some of the detail put in there clearly is for for the adult collectors, you know, while still being toyetic enough. Um, But without Spawn, without McFarlane toys there to start to make that happen, I don't know Mm. if we'd have the toy market that we still have today. No, I mean, I, I think it was definitely something
0: that that kind of angled into that adult collector market. That that you know, so many lines. You know, the the Star Wars Black Series, the the Marvel Legends line, um, you know, the new DC Multiverse line, which is through McFarlane Toys and Top McFarlane. Um, they all have that kind of you know, you could you could give them to a kid, but they'd also look just awesome sitting on your shelf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it is, it's very much that, and it's kind of that almost like two-tier of, um, uh, you know, here's your, your, your kid-friendly toys, and here's more for, for you know, the grown-ups to, to collect and, and
2: play. You know, But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so interesting. I was going to move on, so if you've got something to finish. It's really interesting just having a look at, you know, Image Comics, still, I still think of it as an odd little indie comic, but amongst its titles are The Walking Dead, Spawn, as we mentioned, uh, Kick-Ass, and Saga. They're some of the yeah. biggest selling and definitely the most critically acclaimed titles of modern day, all under Image Comics. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they really became, you know, in a lot of cases, the third brand, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely.
2: And yeah, it's all still very creator-owned, which is their pull to all these creators, I suppose, you know, come and publish under us, but actually your characters, do what you like with them. So that ethos of, of being really loyal towards its creators, is really fantastic.
0: Um, So, yeah, Spawn potentially coming to uh, another movie fairly soon. One thing we know that is coming to a movie soon is Wonder Woman 1984, uh, currently due for release on August the 14th, uh, the sequel to the 2017 Wonder Woman. Um, And uh, Gal Gadot has been speaking a little bit about the resurrection of Chris Pine's character, Steve Trevor, Um, Steve Trevor, her love interest in the first film sacrificed himself to stop the spread of the toxic gas created by Dr. Poison but in the upcoming Wonder Woman 84, he will somehow return from the dead and be reunited with Diana in the titular year of the film.
2: So they've just fully leaned into the Steve Rogers thing right now he crashed a plane, saved the world and then he's back
0: So they said that Chris was an integral part of the movie and its success and because he and he and I and Patty Jenkins, this was Gal Gadot speaking, uh, really enjoyed working together. We all wanted to have him back. And Patty, and co-writer Jeff Johns, found the best way that serves the narrative to bring Steve back. While Gadot did not reveal how Gadot Gadot Gadot, um, Gadot how I Steve think. returns. Either way, I've, I've, I've mispronounced it at some point in this, so I apologise. Just call it Gadot. <laughs> is that what you do? She's just guaranteeing <laughs> um,
2: to
0: uh her words hint that there's a story-based reason for the for characters revival. Um if the brief hug by the shared in, by the two in the movie trailer is in any indication, Diana will be more than happy to be reunited. So B, here we are. We've got Steve Trevor coming back from the dead around seventy years, sixty years after sixty five years after Uh, We saw him die. He's Mm -hmm. uh, of the same age. We saw him in 1917. How Mm -hmm. do you think they're bringing him back? And how are you feeling about Wonder Woman 84?
1: Well, um, I I know we talked about this on an earlier podcast. Um, I'm I'm still looking forward to it. It's going to be certainly interesting to see how they get around the fact that he's, A, still alive. B, he hasn't aged a single bit. Um, And by judging um, that some of the traders out there, um, he has no idea of what's been happening in, you know, in the big wide world since he's been gone. Um, I know the last trailer, there was some reference to a art gallery and, you know, trash cans as such. Um, So obviously he's been, you know, as T was saying, possibly marooned on an iceberg somewhere. Uh, waiting to be discovered, um, so who knows? But it's certainly going to be interesting. Um, I just hope it doesn't detract from, you know, some of the, hopefully, some of the excellent storylines that that Nineteen Eighty Four is going to give us.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting. I can see why there's there's a, a desire to bring him back. I, I completely understand that. But bearing in mind, he, you know, his his sacrifice and her loss were were, were considered to be quite character defining mm. traits for for Diana and Wonder Woman. In hinted uh, at in um, Batman v Superman, but really That's kind of true. fleshed out in Justice League. Mm. Um, you know, how do you bring him back without
1: so, altering just, that was... timeline? Can I just ask a question then? In in Batman and Superman, obviously right at the beginning, um, Bruce Wayne sends um, Wonder Woman a picture of the original, the original picture that they took yep. in, in 1917. And obviously we're led to believe he's moved on. And that, that's, that scene was obviously present day.
2: wasn't yep. it?
1: It wasn't in 1984. So, no. obviously, in 1984 has already happened by the time that that movie's taking place, isn't it? Yes. So, yeah. So, isn't there going to be some kind of difference in timelines? How they are going to explain that?
0: That's a good question. So, T, we've got wibbly-wobbly-timey-wimey. I mean, guys, we're, um, we're
2: talking about the, the DCEU here. This isn't the MCU. You know, the, the time the timelines. <laughs> <laughs> it might as well talk Fox X-Men films here. I mean seriously, they're not working at keeping it consistent. There's no overarching story. They're writing each one as it goes, see how it lands. <laughs> I, I, I really admire the effort to try and pull together things into a smart highway. I'm a Transformers fan and nothing there lines up at all. People still really try really, really hard. So, I love it. I love it. But, Hold on you know. a
0: second. Target 2006 made perfect sense when I read that in 1985.
2: Yeah. <laughs> with and came to the Really
0: scary um, Megatron Ratchet merged. Oh. Right. That's that's. That's weirdly deep cuts, isn't it? Um,
2: <laughs> we'll get there. Don't all worry.
0: right. So, so, so to, you know, you've, you've made a really good point there. In that case, um, you know, how would you bring Steve Trevor back 67 years after we've seen him
2: well, die? I'm also a little bit disappointed that the reason was, hey, we really liked Chris Pine. I mean, OK, don't get me wrong. A lot of really good characters in shows and films have brought, have, have stayed on because the actor was so good. So, uh, you know, I, I remember Hilo in, in Battlestar Galactica. That was meant to be a one-off person for the pilot. They liked the actor. Actually, he had a really great storyline. Um, quite recently, um, in Stranger Things, Steve Harrington, um, mm. he was, again, not meant to have a big any arc, but as they were creating it, they, they just saw the chemistry there. They brought him in. And, and Steve Harrington is, is one of the best characters in Stranger Things as well. So it's, it's great when they do it with an unknown, with an unknown actor. Chris Pine, he is charming. We get it. He didn't surprise you on the day, and therefore you wanted him back. <laughs> you knew what you were getting with Chris Pine, and if you wanted to include him in the story arc, you would have included him all the way. So so that, to me, is a bit disappointing, if that's the reason to, to, to bring him in. Um, but beyond that, how they do it, um, you know, again, continuity stuff, eh. The, just just tell a good story it doesn 't matter if he 's in our head it doesn 't matter if he 's actually back it doesn 't matter if um the whole thing is a, is a, an illusion played by the baddie for this one it 's all good don 't give us a really silly twist don't give us um, you know a twist that you 're hinting towards that would be really awesome and then you don 't have a twist and it 's just a straightforward thing i 'm thinking of suicide squad um, <laughs> <laughs> What happened with that film God. Um <laughs> You know, just just tell us a good story. Uh, I think that's why Wonder Woman was good anyway. It was just a decent story, uh, and that's what yeah. mattered. Forget about forget about lining up with the rest of the universe because the rest of the universe there is balls. It really doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, they could take from the Marvel and from the Avengers Endgame philosophy of. You know, everything you know about time travel is wrong and your future is their past and or their future is your past, so you can't change your past by changing their future um and, and bring it back. Um and speaking of Marvel, we had um uh, a tweet from Disney and Marvel Studios giving away an Easter egg from Avengers Ed game. Did either of you see this?
2: No, but for a second I thought you said Marvel and Disney were tweeting us, and I thought, right, oh, early episode four <laughs>
0: no we're, we're building I, I think we get a congratulations at episode ten excellent um uh but um yeah, so no they 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 tweeted a still of uh the end game piece where they've all got their quantum suits on, and they put their hands in uh on the the big disc to to uh kind of you know put their hands in before they all went off to their missions whatever it takes and they tweeted um a picture of the arc the uh the mini arc reactor the the proof that tony stark has a heart arc reactor mm-hmm. and what they'd done in that shot is they'd replicated this circle in the middle with the red dots on the the, the outside so it's a callback to the the arc reactor and, and how that kind of started uh the 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 phase of uh the marvel films mm-hmm. which was a nice little touch mm-hmm. um, Uh, Yeah, I mean, it means nothing, but it's a lovely little kind of nod. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's it's one of those that, you know, because they've tweeted it, you don't have that whole kind of, did they mean that? Or is that really what it is? Um, But it was a a nice little nod. And it seems that Marvel Studios have been busy um, holding virtual meetings whilst uh, we are uh, all locked down and geeking in instead of out. Um, And uh, the recent report is that Marvel Studios have met with John Krasinski to discuss options and casting going forward ah. um, former office star has been rumored f- uh, as part of a fan uh, casting to portray reed richards um aka b aka mr fantastic um he has previously lobbied to play mr fantastic saying in february that he would love to be part of the marvel universe and doubled down with a statement in march Saying, I think to be part of the Marvel world would be an amazing, would be amazing anyway. And the fact that people would even consider me for that level of part would be amazing. I genuinely have had no conversations. Or don't know anything that's happening with that. I'm aware Kevin's announcement of what the hell's happening. That's as much as you are. I'm awaiting Kevin's announcement. Um, famously did. Um, get into the last few for consideration for
2: Captain Cap- America. Captain America, yeah.
0: But John Krasinski is uh, in talk to come into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, given he have got his acting chops from Jack Ryan and The Office and a few other things, as well as his directing chops from A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place 2, T, what would you –
2: be looking for him to do, and why is it just going to be Mr. Fantastic? Well, I've been seeing fama of him and Emily Blunt, uh, his his wife Emily Blunt as Mr. Fantastic and um, and Sue Storm for ages. I think Boss Logic again recently did one. I also this yep. morning watched his um, Good News Network. I don't know if you guys are watching this. He does a YouTube show, so you know, good news of the week because everything else is terrible news, and it's, it's really hilarious. And here he sort of did this cheeky nod where. He said, oh, and this is the. He he showed some fan art, and then he said, this is the closest I'll ever come to playing a superhero. And did that classic uh, Jim look into the camera moment. And (laughs) I thought that was a reference to his uh, Captain America audition. But Cheeky Burger is clearly hinting at this, which is fantastic. No pun intended, that just came out. Which. I'm well up. Quit Richard, that. That sounds awesome. Uh, I mean, Emily Blunt would make an amazing uh, suit storm. Emily Blunt would be amazing at anything, but you know, she would also make an amazing suit storm.
0: And, and that, you know, that chemistry that they obviously have, you know, apparent in, in a quiet place, almost as if they're married in real life, um, (laughs) would really kind of, you know, adds to that bit that we've, we've struggled with the Fantastic Four films, that family feeling and ethos that's at the heart of Fantastic Four but hasn't really kind of come through so T um, do you think that he is made for Mr Fantastic or do you think it's a bit of a stretch (laughs) (laughs) that was hammed all the way through and I regret nothing
2: (laughs) Oh, it's oh it's brilliant, isn't it? It's absolutely brilliant. Jim Jim as Mister Fantastic. Let's do it. Let's do it. And and as you say, you know, he you're seeing his range, aren't you? So um, uh, he, yeah, especially in the Quiet Place, and and bringing his, I think he's an interesting director. So bringing him on to direct as well would be really cool. And Marvel. So B, if he,
0: yeah, so I mean B, if you were going to bring him in as a director instead of an of a superhero. Um, with uh, you know, with his his unique kind of eye from a quiet place and his storytelling perspective from that, what do you think he'd be? What do you think he'd be looking at that we think is on the dock for him to come in and
1: do? Um. Yeah, I. You see, I can't see. I can't see him as Mister Fantastic. Um, no. I've, I've, i'll be honest i've i have never been a, a massive fan of fantastic four uh, to be honest um i think as a family they're, they're very dysfunctional um
2: do you like the Incredibles? you know <clears throat> i do
1: i think that was closer to fantastic four it is. than it's, fantastic four
0: you know often said it's the um, best fantastic four film we've we've never had it wasn't
1: yeah yeah absolutely um but you know, a live-action version, I don't know. I've been so disappointed with the movies so far that I can't of given up hope on it, to be honest. Um, the comics were okay. Um, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I know, is it Ben? Ben was the first sort of um, member of the Fantastic Four that was drawn and appeared in a the comic. Then came the Human Torch. And then the first family was was created thereafter. Oh, I didn't and, know that. Interesting. Um, yeah, um, but from that, I don't know. Oh,
2: uh, so, so B, are you saying that you don't think a Fantastic Four film can be done well? It's not a filmable sort of concept.
1: I I I don't because I mean. Okay, the Marvel Universe as we know it is, is still there. Where have the Fantastic Four been? I mean, Marvel's always been on point with all the timelines, with all the characters. I mean, th- I don't think there's been one reference to the Fantastic Four in any of the Marvel movies we've seen so far. Um, fine, they can make a standalone and, and then shoehorn it in somewhere down the line.
2: I mean... Well, I mean, j- just with the universe, your two options are either, you know, they're not fantastic yet and, and the accident mm-hmm. will happen now. Uh, or if you want an established Fantastic Four family, then, you know, parallel dimensions or something. And Fantastic Four is the right kind of group to introduce things like parallel dimensions.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you can have a similar kind of story to what you've had with Captain Marvel of... Um, they, they're they empowered and they've been off doing other stuff, which means they've not been around to help out with any of the Earth crises. So they, mm. they, they have had their powers and they are an established team and they're comfortable with each other and they're comfortable with their skill sets and how they fit together because for the last 10 years, they've been um, doing missions in the negative zone, for instance. Um, and we've seen that. We've seen the introduction of superheroes, that we didn't know about with the likes of Captain Marvel, who predates um, these ones in the storytelling. Uh, the original mm-hmm. Ant-Man and Wasp, we know were, and Goliath, we know were active in, in the 70s. Um, so we know that they've got a history of you know, sprinkling in that there were these superheroes who were working on specific things uh, throughout, although they've not been played into the bigger picture. You're quite right. If 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 Thing is already if Ben Grimm has already been turned into Thing and he's a six foot eight, uh, solid, orange rock creature, probably would have noticed mm. him. Probably would have you know been some sort of report of him walking up and down the street. Um, you would hope so. But if if after that they've then gone into, as I said, the negative zone or something to 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 be exploring and to fighting you know and, and and that sort of thing then then i suppose you could play out that way and bring them back in or as teasers you simply you simply introduce them so uh, they are the family and they've got the family dynamic and then you go through and just do a, a an origin story for them
2: so there's a question here about i suppose you know do we need an origin story because we've seen it twice now right in, in cinemas we've seen the um but yeah, we've seen the two films and again, fa- fan four stick. So the first question I suppose is, is when did fan four stick come out? That was 2015, 2016, something like that. And we are five years on from there. Um, I guess we will be five or six years on from there. Is that enough time to need a new origin story? Is it still fresh in people's mind? Are they going to be exhausted by the whole concept? Um, we could think back to things like when was Spider-Man three, um, I think the gap between Spider-Man three and the amazing uh, Spider-Man was five years and they felt the need for a new origin story. But then the gap between amazing Spider-Man two and civil war was sort of two years, three years, something like that. And at that point, no, you know, we've had enough, enough Spider-Man origins, right? Let's just go in. We don't need to see Uncle Ben die again. Um, so I
0: guess the big thing is, you know, and, and I think, I, I know we've talked before about, I don't think we ever see, need to see Uncle Ben die again, and I don't think we ever see, need to see the Waynes get shot and the Pearls drop again. Um, mm. But is the Fantastic Four and their origin as in the zeitgeist of pop culture as those two moments?
2: They've also had different origin stories, it just occurred to me. Van Forstik had that bizarre, let's get it. Uh, yeah, so thing. I'd love for it to have an origin story just so that we
0: don't have yeah. Van Forstek as the last one because how Sue Storm doesn't get to go to explore <laughs> and and she gets to sit at home and play on the computer to check things, uh-huh. some style still gets hit with this bolt of cosmic radiation is... Um, various levels of just odd um, and I don't think you need a super powered Doctor Doom um, and in fact you've got the, the perfect introduction for Doctor Doom because you've got Doctor Strange mm. so this this brilliant person mm. who's trying to learn the secrets of of the, the magical arts and, and that's uh, the ancient arts on top of everything else is a a part of the Dr. Doom character that they've never really explored. But, you know, all all you need him to do is be one of the the Ancient One's um, students at some point in his life. Um, And you've already got quite a good introduction to it.
2: You were were saying about uh, Fantastic Four comics not really working for you. Um, so for you and for the listeners at home so just a quick recommendation uh, Mark Miller has written some of the best fantastic four comics in my opinion uh of, of recent days so he yes. did the um ultimate fantastic four comics um i think that launched the ultimate universe that and spider-man together if i remember rightly but he, uh, slightly more recently he did the uh, 616 uh, which I should say is the main marvel universe fantastic four comics um so again another another um you know i suppose indie writer as well you know uh, known for things like wanted and kick ass and, and the ultimates um amazing amazing stories uh especially those first two arcs in the in the recent ones i would recommend you check them out again it's an established team at this point uh and it works really well
0: the um the dance lot ride is, isn't bad as well
2: um, of course that's, it, that's really brilliant yeah sorry
0: um and and that uh, volume one of that um forever is currently available for free on the marvel comics app um so the first four episode first four comics of that arc uh, is one of the 12 free iconic books that they have to download uh so if you if you do want to kind of start getting your head around it um that's a that's not a bad place to 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 have a look and have a read
2: dan slot's work in general is a great introduction to comics i think he sort of has a real easy read with a great, great flair for bringing up what's happened in the past as well.
0: I feel he, you know, and I know we've referenced this before on things. I feel he, he understands the Stanley philosophy of, of, you know, this is, you know, issue number 700 and something in the run, but for someone, this could be the first comic. So, Mm -hmm. you know, let it, let it, you know, don't, don't make the last 700 comics be needed necessary reading before you can check in on this Mm -hmm. um you know make it make it accessible so someone can go back and learn and find and ask questions about how they got here and things beyond um but yeah i mean an interesting I, i i think there's some interesting stories to tell with fantastic four i think um the marvel cinematic universe is in need of a um of a brilliant albeit flawed uh super genius um, so yeah, I think I think there's there's quite a good um, way of bringing him in.
2: Well, that's right. We, we talked about this last week, didn't we? Where we said actually Ant Man feels like the the tech superhero now, but of course mm. that's Hank Pym. That's not our Ant Man. That's not uh, yeah. uh, Paul Rudd. Uh, so we do need a, a leading character that's also the, the genius. Yeah,
0: and at the moment that's um, Hulk. Mm. um and we saw from endgame that he's he's not infallible on this sort of thing he's he's yeah. he's brilliant in his field
1: yeah. but outside of that uh, not so much. didn't Hank Payne go on to become yellow jacket
0: in the comics he did yes
1: yeah
0: and was also the um <clears throat> the father of ultron which in in the, the right. mcu was uh um tony uh, and bruce and uh, also abused his, his wife and various other things.
2: Um, Which, speaking about, better. yeah, toys, I just re- remembered, the uh, Marvel Legends figure of Hank Pym had one hand clenched and one open hand, just like that scene where, where yeah. he was... It was the most bizarre choice for an action figure. And obviously, I mean, you know, I appreciate all the nods adult, to uh, adult collectors, but maybe that wasn't the right move there, God.
0: And you know, so the original run was 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 awkward, especially reading it back with twenty twenty sensibilities. The Ultimates run was, yeah, just mm. even worse.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, that was. A anyway, hard so we reach. wait yep. and see. We, we wait to see what um, uh, John Krasinski will be doing with the the. Um, Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think if I had my way, he would be Mr. Fantastic. We'd have Emily Blunt as his wife, Sue Storm, and we'd have um Steve Carell um as Mole Man. Um, and and if you think that's a funny pick, watch 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 Foxcatcher. Watch Foxcatcher and tell me he wouldn't be perfect as Mole Man. Um <laughs> So what the last three stories have all had in common is whilst we are talking about uh, films or or action figures or um, uh, statues or or whatever medium they are now being talked about and built into, they all started off with comics. Um, However, comic industry is a little bit under threat with Diamond Comic Distributors not currently taking any warehouse orders for its uh, distribution and might not distribute again until August. So this uh, notification due to the the pandemic that they won't be taking any or delivering any comic books means that comic book retailers will not be getting any of the, the comics that they publish. Diamond Comic Distribution publishes and have exclusive publishing rights for DC Comics, Marvel Comics, Dark Horse Comics, Image Comics, Dynamic, Dynamite East Entertainment, Boom Studios, and IDW, as well as a lot of smaller ones. So their decision not to print and distribute um, means that, in essence, there are new no new hard copy comics going into stores. As we stand at the moment, the decision has been made by uh, the very big two at least, DC and Marvel, not to publish these comics as digital comics and to wait until they can uh, support the the comic shop. Part of that is driven by the sense of community, of of trying to support the comic book industry. And part of it is because um, the market for reading digital comics actually hasn't moved much since it boomed. Uh, with the majority of comic readers still choosing to to be part of that pick box and uh, that that comic book um, culture rather than moving online. Um, so, uh, B, we have a a crisis here where comics, as well as a few other things, um, might not uh, be coming out, and that could put a pause on the entire comic industry until maybe august how are you feeling about that
1: not too (laughs) great (laughs) thank you anything to add (laughs) no in all seriousness i'm i'm really gutted because um obviously as you know i i do collect comic books um and recently um advertised via the comic Mint, um, I purchased Spider-Woman number one. Um, And obviously then um, this whole lockdown virus malarkey happened. Um, And, you know, I've been waiting, it's two months now I've been waiting for this comic. Um, Obviously, I've already paid, uh, which is a bummer on my part. Um, And I've just, I've just been told I, I just need to wait until, yeah. um, you know, everything's back to normal, which, you know, they're telling me will happen sooner or later. Um, but it, it is, you know, it, the way this works is that there's this sole distributor, um, you know, going forward, perhaps Marvel, DC, and some of the other comic houses need to look at how this is done Um because you know comic books is a way of of entertainment i mean fine to be honest i'm I'm sick of watching t v at the moment. I've been you know digging up my old comics and reading through them um and you know it'd be great if we had new comics as well um that we could we could really get into um but you know just there's not a lot we can do about it to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, the, the, the facts. I, I was blind until this story broke that how many comic book companies were all linked mm. to the single distribution company. Um, and then looking a little bit more into it, there isn't an appetite to take this in-house because the logistics of having to print and store and ship and deliver that mm. many copy, comics across the world... Uh, really really isn 't cost effective for anyone especially at this time Diamond comics uh own the distribution in america they own the distribution in europe um, they have they own d- diamond comics u k so they they cover that here so they have that entire network sewn up and it 's so complicated now to get into that um with the exception of maybe d c who through Warner Brothers have their own um publishing house uh, would be very, very difficult to pick up in-house on, for anyone really going forward.
2: T, what do you think? Just on that last point, I think you know, the same could have been argued for Marvel making movies a few years back. And we can see how that's worked out. You know, they, certainly, there's, there's room to diversify. And I agree. I think the whole thing about you know a, a single distributor for everything has it, been really strange. I think the way these decisions are made, the sort of financial decisions that are made, uh, for for the big two have been really strained for for a really long time, you know the push has always been on these kind of these monthly comics in you know, at the pull box that are coming out, uh, uh, often uh, ignoring the sales of graphic novels, um, ignoring the sales of digital comics in that same way. Um, so it's um, I think it's it's an outdated model which is getting increasingly outdated. I mean just to your point earlier about you know that initial boom into digital comics and then that's sort of where it stopped. I think that's more a question around uh, the platforms have been using, how available it is. You know, um, I think a lot what a lot of us want is just that kind of, um, you know, Netflix subscription service. I'll I'll just subscribe, x amount a month, and, and get all these free comics uh, for it. You know, on top of which we're having to buy, on top of which you're having to kind of uh, move about, and um, there just isn't that kind of cohesive service that's shifted us onto, onto digital comics in that way. It's not as easy mm-hmm. to get them uh you know what what spotify what netflix what these places have done for for um for for films and for music uh that, that last point about the pool box though i think that's really valid um i think a lot of us comic collectors tend to think um we still have that sense of oh, this will be. I'll retire on these comics. I'll <laughs> You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, we know nothing sold since the nineties is really going to be worth anything. Let's be honest. But no. we st- we still have that. Oh, I don't want to bend this. I want to hold oh. on to this. Um, it's quite sad, actually. So You know, I've got I've got friends who are now or who have recently started to sell you know their collection of variants and things and i'm just really surprised at how how little they're actually worth especially considering the effort they put into maintaining them things like that um so yeah uh, as long as we have that and as long as we want the kind of physical tangible thing i understand the need for the full box um uh, what the what the big two have said around supporting the comic book shops and in the industry i mean i like that i like a comic book shop well i like some comic book shops Um, I think some of them have, you know, the the Simpsons comic book guy running them. And that's a real shame. There is all of that attitude going on. That's a real shame, I think. But, you know, there are some really fantastic ones out there. And and I love that kind of sense of community. Um, I love that you can just go in and say, hey, listen, um, I haven't read Batman in about five years. Where should I start? Or, you know, I'm sick of the superheroes, but I want to read comics. Why should I start? And someone will guide you and, and have that conversation with you. What I will say is those conversations are now also happening online, and there's you know subreddits, and there's really fantastic. There's this really fantastic podcast, I don't know if you guys heard of called Geeking In, which talks about comics and things like that. It's a really good introduction to comics. Um, I so thought the- that was about pajamas. <laughs> That's the subtext. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, so th- these conversations are happening elsewhere as well, and I think that sense of community and, and love for comic books is they're just like. There are people that have only grown up with um, superheroes uh, as cinema, people that have grown up with, you know, the MCU being a real standard for cinema. Um, You know, they're not having to go into comic book shops to be able to talk about um, these characters, the MCU characters, um, because, you know, there there are other forums for this. Uh, I think the decision ultimately was driven by finance, which makes sense. They are companies. Um, But I think the way they model is really bizarre. I think you know relying on the single distributor is really bizarre, and the reliance on those kind of monthly comics and not pushing the digital comics into a sort of you know into a bigger medium is really bizarre. And I think you know we're expecting a lot of changes coming out of this. You know what the new normal looks like. And whilst I wouldn't yes. wish for the closure of any comic book shops or anything like that, I think what we could push, for, what what may come of this. Is a is a kind of new way of of absorbing that media. Be what you said about you know comics being fantastic stories that we really want to. And now's a really good time to want to read stories. I think that's so true. Um, but let's make let's make it more accessible. Let's make it so you don't have to go into a really obscure shop that you only really know about if you're into this culture. Um, and deal with potentially comic book guy before you can get your comics. Let's make it so it's easily accessible for everyone. Uh, you know, I mean, that's sort of how they started, right? Comics were, comic books were sold at newsstands. And then suddenly they went to shops, And, and mm. you know, now we're moving back out again into the general public. And I think I, I really hope that move, you know, I hope this whole thing accelerates that move a little bit. I and mean, we move, move out of the shops a little bit more.
0: Yeah, and I think the, the that point about, you know, the, the, the comic books and sometimes the um uh the snobbiness of of certain comic book shops is is incredibly valid. I, I you know, I've I've been reading comics for twenty five years, a bit more than that. Um and there are still some comic shops that I don't feel as if I've got the bona fides to walk into. Um and bearing in mind, you know, one of the big one of the big bangs would be would have been should have been and has been in some points, you know, the fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe who wants to know what the films in five or ten years are going to be. So you know, show me that story now because you know I just so happen to have the Dark Phoenix Saga, or I just so happen to have um, Civil War, or you yeah. know, that sort of thing, or Planet Hulk, or whatever. Yeah. Um, mm. That should have been that movement, and yep. and I think that there are certain comic shops, not all, or completely not all, um, but uh, there are certain comic book shops that would uh, would kind of sniff at the fact that you were a film fan, so you weren't a real fan, and and not be able to kind of bring them in and, and make them part of the family. Um, the unknown on that, obviously, is the um, the monetary side in the sense that I don't know, and I, I don't know if anyone does, the um the deal that Marvel and DC, for instance, would probably have with Diamond about um X percent of your comics going on to digital. Because obviously if it was if it was eating into Diamond's business, then they'd potentially pull the plug mm-hmm. and force that issue of you know, if you want to continue into print, then then you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, which they obviously wouldn't want to do. So they, they probably kind of gave Um, some sort of of barrier as to, you know, and we will not cross this mark because we understand that we don't want to cannibalize our print business to the point where, where you get upset over Mighty Diamond
2: yeah i mean you know it's bizarre if, if diamond tanks because of this does that mean we will no longer have dc and marvel surely not you know that they must have a way to diversify that I mean, it it's means terrible. it
0: means that we definitely wouldn't for a minute um mm. you know you can go on the logic that nature abhors a vacuum and someone would step up and do it you know maybe maybe it becomes a, another amazon thing bearing mind they seem to have the infrastructure they've got the warehouses they've got the delivery reach um but it's it it's going to take people a minute. So mm-hmm. if that was the case, then you know we're maybe not looking to new comics until August. Um, would that be twenty twenty one? Would that be the late part of twenty twenty one? Before that, that those networks and that billing and that sign up and mm-hmm. those contracts are all all in in place. Could be. It could be a minute.
2: I tell you what. This makes me want. This makes me want the um, geeking in podcasts. and also worst comic shops that you've ever been to if there's interest (laughs) in that let us know if you'd like to know which comic shops to go into and which ones to avoid in and around London let us know and again if you've been
0: to some that you think are either fantastic and we should be shouting out or horrible and and, I mean I don't really want to shame people but if you want to share your experience of horrible and fantastic comic shops um, then you know get, get in touch with us Geeking in pod, on all forms of social media so um, find us and, and, and talk to us about it. Um, so one for us to watch with um, with interest. Uh, and we'll we'll go on to the last topic that I uh, was was going to bring up for us to discuss today. So Disney Plus has censored some brief nudity in the 1984 romantic comedy Splash. And apparently it looks really bad. Um, So there was a scene uh, in the film where Daryl Hannah's bottom could be seen. Uh, That has obviously been deemed too much for Disney Studios. And it's the latest change they have made uh, since launching in November 19, with slight changes to Lilo and Stitch, uh, Saludos Amigos, Gravity Falls, and other projects uh, all being slightly tweaked to make them a little less risky. In the film, Daryl Hannah plays a mermaid named Madison, who is naked in a few scenes, because she's a mermaid, uh, although nothing much shown. shown. Uh, in some scenes, uh, Disney heroes have been able to crop around Daryl Hannah's body. Um, however, in one particular scene, uh, where she runs into the ocean, uh, they have used CGI to add hair to cover up her bottom. The scene apparently now sticks out like a sore thumb, uh, as the digital hair added to the, the bottom looks incredibly weird. Um, and it would uh, it has led to um, some conversation about uh, Disney changing uh, certain parts of their content uh, there's questions as to whether this was needed especially when you still have um, the Hulk's very muscular nude, nude green bottom in Thor Ragnarok and uh, Bart Simpson's bottom in various episodes of The Simpsons Uh Tea. So they've gone back and altered a film to make it a little bit more uh, PG. Um, how are you feeling about this? Is, is this a good action or is it a good decision? Or is this fiddling with something that should be left in its original form?
2: I mean, it's, it's deeply disappointing. I mean, firstly, I again, put my hands up and say, I've, I've never watched Splash, sorry. Uh, <laughs> when, when, did, when did Splash come out? 1984 i was born in 1984 i was born the years okay,
0: you realize it's been
2: <laughs> available to watch since then you didn't miss it because if i didn't see it in cinema i'm not gonna... <laughs> um but it's just ridiculous now, isn't it i mean I God. to watch the disney plus with CGI hair. <laughs> that's it yeah i'm forever fated to that um you know it, disney plus has a kids mode um, which I've set up for my kids so they don't watch anything I don't want them to see and it's all kind of... Cut. So if you've got to have a kids mode and a non-kids mode, um, you know, if you're going to have a mode where safe search is off, then have it off and, and, and actually let, you know, we keep the f- films intact. It's so bizarre they're making this decision.
0: So I guess the um, argument there, though, is would you exclude a film like Splash, which is PG, from a kids mode because of a brief shot of A bottom as she runs into the sea. I
2: mean, I I certainly wouldn't. But then I, I am not. uh, I don't live in America, where I know things are a little different, and it's a lot more sort of puritanical about um, uh, female nudity, in particular. Um, You know, sort of violence is absolutely fine, and and, you know, sort of really quite horrific themes are absolutely fine. Um, But you know, female nudity is 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 very scary to um, American audiences, it seems. uh, yeah, except for HBO. Uh, yeah, so um, no, certainly wouldn't but um, I can understand the removal. I can understand not including it in the kids mode in the kids mode of the films uh, in the, in that section. But to go back and edit all these films—that's—that's that's so bizarre. And and this is cinema, ultimately. You know, this was a vision that was put together, and it was accepted, and the censors agreed it, and it was on there. I mean, even with the sort of you know uh, culturally insensitive content, we talked about this earlier, but um, you know they've they've got disclaimers around them saying you know we're, we're preserving this for its historical accuracy of of what it was. But of course, this is not how we culturally feel. There's an awful lot of that where actually um, you know the themes are still really dodgy. Um, you know when we talked about um, uh, again rewatching uh some some of the things from earlier, um, you know, uh, and there there are no disclaimers, but somehow this is the thing that we're going to go back and edit. I mean, I'm not against ever editing a film, or maybe I am actually. Uh, I don't think. I, I mean, my, my brain my brains went straight to George Lucas. And the more I think about it, uh...
0: <laughs> and I know your uh, your brain would, and I think there's a point somewhere down the line that the conversation about the uh, the the interpretation of um, Jar Jar Binks, which was met with calls of racial insensitivity and stereotyping when when that came out. Um, however, I also know that for a fact that you own about seventy four different versions of Blade Runner. <laughs>
2: Well, there you go. I'm fascinated by that, and I'm really super
0: <laughs> mega definitive. I honestly believe this is the last one. I promise. I've put it down. I've left it alone. I've deleted it off my computer. I couldn't change it again, even if I wanted to. Edition.
2: Yeah, I think I'm the reason it's still making them. I keep tweeting, when <laughs> the next one coming out?"
0: Now with three extra seconds that completely change the. <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, so, no, I mean, I, I am fully against this move with Splash. I just think it's utterly ridiculous. It's a real shame. It's a real shame that they're doing this. Um, and it it just shows you kind of, you know, I guess where Disney is headed. Um, and ultimately, as they're now buying up more and more properties, um, you know, the direction they may end up taking some of these properties and, and you'll end up with this kind of homogenous homogeneous, um, PG world of Disney. And that's really, really sad. But B, isn't this just
0: giving us a chance to let new fans, new young fans, uh, find this movie without fear of of titillation or or shock when they see a a woman's body, especially in a multicultural society that we are even more in now than we were then?
1: Yeah, but I mean, Splash is completely non- I, I just can't see how anyone would be even offended by Splash. It is just non completely non offensive. It's the most non offensive movie I've ever seen. Um, it, I I just can't. I mean, okay, fine. I, I know Disney has has its own uh, way of working. Um, and you know, whilst you've been talking, I've been looking at Disney Plus. There is a disclaimer just before the movie starts saying that um, you know this movie has been edited from its original version for content. I'm um, still desperately, desperately looking for the bottom scene. Um, <laughs> I, haven't, I, I, I haven't come across it yet. <laughs> Uh, I'll so let if, you if, know you've been watching Splash
2: during this podcast.
0: <laughs> if, if we're going to do a little, like, sound snack for our Insta stories at uh, geeking Pod, can it be be saying, I'm desperately looking for the bottom scene?
2: Um, <laughs> can it be you saying, Fear of titillation? I quite like that phrase.
1: <laughs> but, you know, I mean, if, if Disney is going to start doing this with everything, I mean, you know, they own Deadpool now, so Deadpool is coming back into um you know the disney franchise so how's that going to change is deadpool going to appear on disney plus or they're going to have a tamed down version of of deadpool um because anything less than how it was originally you know filmed would be it would be travesty it it just would be wrong
2: I think with a with a Deadpool three, they could get away with you know Deadpool knowing that he's being censored, <laughs> he gets beeped out and he gets really frustrated at getting beeped out. but I think that's a gaggle so that would last about five minutes. but you're absolutely right about the existing properties
0: yeah I mean I suppose the the side on that though is is in essence they've done that with once upon a deadpool when yeah. they when they mm. brought it back in um, and 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 put it into a different format. Um, and it was very weird watching the film with no blood and with no um, no profanity and no. But you know, it, it told its own story in a different way. I guess the the, the point for both of you is, I understand the, the the preservist point of that scene's in there and why change it. Um, do you think the film needs is is it part of its artistic integrity to have this shot, or was it? for titillation at that point that isn't required any for titillation again just for you b uh, just for you t um just uh, is it a, a shot that adds anything to the story other than a chance for for young boys who who get to see a a, a, a bottom for a minute young boys or girls i suppose to get who get to see a bottom for a minute
2: I mean, you could have that argument all the way through, couldn't you, of of every single film and what? why is this scene in there and what's this trying to achieve and start editing? And where does that, you know, where's that line where you're just chopping up an entire film because it doesn't agree with your own perspective on what the film should be saying? If I could edit one scene out of a film, and that would just bring it, to, you know, if I think about The Kingsman, I think it was a fantastic film all the way through and then there was this bizarre scene with the, the princess that he rescues, who offers him now anal sex to save the world. And it's just that that's not the reason to save the world, man. That's really bizarre <laughs> that's and unnecessary. And then said kind of, that. I watched that yesterday. Well, you know, it just lowered the tone of the film really unnecessarily for me, and I just thought that's really added nothing. Now, that's my own view of that, and I would cut that out but there's absolutely no reason, you know, anyone should. No one needs to necessarily cut out Alice Eve's um, uh, random uh, underwear scene in uh, *Into Dark* in *Star Trek Into Dark, because It adds nothing to the film, sure, but it's in there. You know, where's the line? Where do you start chopping and chopping and chopping?
0: Yeah, and I. But I guess that also depends on: Are you marketing that as a kids' film with a slightly adult content just to be a bit risque that isn't actually needed in it? Um, you know there there is nothing about this story about a mermaid coming out onto land and falling in love with uh, a human and and the, the the wacky uh cultural gaps between mermaid culture and person culture um that requires uh, a shot of of Daruhana's bottom
2: i mean that's still accepted that the the Daruhana's bottom is offensive because there's I, mean, I again not seen the film but i imagine there's a lot of scenes where you could just say well that's not added to the story yeah. and you could cut down an awful lot of film uh, you know so and, and, why why lean into that i suppose
0: and to be fair i don't think i've ever been offended by daryl hans bottom and if if daryl <laughs> is listening i am willing to be offended by you um but um yeah i i mean uh, so you know I, I i understand the argument personally um it feels too safe, especially when mm. you know, there's other bits that, that aren't there. Um, I, I think you could probably get away with a disclaimer and not through that, you know, brief nudity and things like that, you know, and even then I think it's probably an over-exaggeration, but, you know, I think you could probably get, a disc- get away with a disclaimer on that from the screen and then let adults make their own decision for what they do with their children. But then again, that's that's a bigger conversation for us to get into As to whose job is it to um, edit and to uh, screen what people's children are watching. Is it the, the provider like, such as Netflix or Disney Plus or is it the adult?
2: Um, but
0: yes, interesting.
2: As a, it. as a resident futurist, I'm putting it in there now. At some point, they're going to edit out Princess Leia's Gold Bikini
0: no do you know what it's, it's interesting because um, growing up with that what was that outfit called the action mm. figure the that that scene what was mm. what was that known as slave layer
2: mm.
0: and again you know that so th- that's now the jabba slayer layer
2: mm-hmm. ah.
0: or the jabba killer layer <laughs> It's it, okay. because it is that kind of, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. again, is we're into a world where we acknowledge that because I think we all were all understood it, but we acknowledge that, um, you know, a, the princess becoming in essence, a sex slave probably isn't the look we were going for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and yeah, so that objectification kind of thing comes through. Um, So it is interesting how that kind of does get real. So I I don't think you're wrong. I I think there's an argument that that could. Um, And if you were to CG a T-shirt onto her, does that make any difference to her actions in that scene and going forward, apart from the fact that she's now wearing a weird T-shirt?
2: I mean, they've certainly stopped making action figures of uh, Java Slayer Leia. Um, That's something Disney decided a while back. Yes. So it does mean they can sell toys again of that scene. With a weird t-shirt on. (laughs) Non-removable, presumably.
0: (laughs) Unless you're a Barbie, in which case it is removable. So double standards all the way through. This is the kind of stuff we're calling out on this podcast. Um, Interesting, and it'll be interesting to see how Disney Plus continue to, to, to balance through on this. Interesting to see whether they change their tone on Certain things they've included with a very strong uh disclaimer of representative of the time it was made, and certain other ones that they've decided even with a disclaimer there is no way that's going on the network, and whether that at any point alters. Um, especially with the amount of film content that Disney now own through the Fox acquisition, through Touchstones mm-hmm. pictures that they originally owned. Um there's there's like which is where splash came from um it will be interesting to see uh what what they decide to do with the slightly more adult content as we go forward
1: i mean it's interesting i mean i've just got to a bit in splash where there's a slightly older lady who's wearing a blouse and is wearing a bra outside her blouse and that hasn't been trimmed out
2: can i just say i love that you're watching splash while recording this no, I just—I I mean, just wanted to give live reaction to—we
0: are—we <laughs> are literally minutes away from this becoming a a splash watch along audio track. <laughs> um, and how do you know they haven't CG'd the bra on over that
1: to well, cover why something? Would, why would... <laughs> That's very true, uh, and I do not—I I do not remember this scene in the original. Um, watching it. Uh, many years back, um, not at the cinema. I hasten to add, um, it was definitely on a VHS, um, rented from Blockbusters, incidentally. Um, but yeah, there you go.
0: So I think that's. Uh, I, I think that brings us to an end. I don't, I don't think we can add any more to the, the, the splash controversy um but tell us how you're feeling about this tell us how you are are feeling about um this and also you know the the general thing of going back in does uh Greedo screaming McClunky in A New Hope add anything to that scene at all for instance (laughs) uh I think I'm more offended by that than Daryl Hannah's bottom being out um uh but that brings us to how we usually close this, which is giving you some recommendations of how to spend your time between now and the next episode of Geeking and Dropping about this time next week. Um, so, uh, T, what would you recommend everyone check out and and, and see whilst they're waiting?
2: Well, we're talking about uh, comics and indie comics, and we mentioned uh, Brian One earlier, and <clears> I know <throat> I talked about him previously, so he's the writer of... Uh, of um Uh, Saga, and I will certainly talk about Saga at some point in the future, and I think I recommended Paper Girls earlier. Um, Today, I'm going to recommend Why the Last Man, so another Brian Caveman comic, and the reason I want to recommend it is just I read an article today about about what's going on with coronavirus and actually um, how it may be affecting more men than women, and then we start to talk about, oh, what does that mean for the world? Are we going to end up in a Why the Last Man situation? So Why the Last Man, it's a post-apocalyptic sci-fi sort of comic. Um, published by, uh, I think it was uh, Image or Vertigo. I think it might have been Vertigo. Uh, and it's essentially um, one guy, Yorick Brown and his monkey, um, who are the only males to have survived this kind of global um, uh, a disaster that's wiped out all the other other men it's uh around 60 odd issues it's all been collected into graphic novels and it's all available uh digitally as well it's an absolutely fantastic read uh issue by issue um if you're looking for something to do that isn't listen, that isn't um watching a film or watching a tv series um and you've already listened to this podcast 16 times and you know want something different to do i would just highly recommend picking up by the last man
0: an excellent recommendation. Uh, B, what about you? What, what would you recommend
1: this week? Um, well, I would certainly recommend watching Splash. Uh, precisely at 29 minutes and zero seconds um, for a particular <laughs> scene. Uh, just time framing that, you know, because we do provide a public service. Um, but apart from that... <laughs> B, uh, which
2: version we, of Splash are we talking about now?
1: <laughs> the Disney Plus version. <clears throat> So um, I recently finished watching Runaways. Um, I know we talked about it again on a previous podcast as as something that we were all hoping to do. Um, but I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was fresh. It was new. It's a certainly different take on uh, mutants, if you want to call them mutants. Um, and, you know, although they're just two seasons so far, um, I certainly would recommend that it was um, a bit slow going in the beginning. um, But it certainly does pick up. And like I said, there there are various twists to the dynamics of um, the family group, or not family group. Um, But I'll leave that up to the uh, listeners to find out
2: b talk me into this a little bit so i i love 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 the runaway comics right hmm. and i tried watching this um i think a year back when it first came out and stopped midway through episode two kind of lost interest i picked it up again um i'm having trouble so you still there
1: hello
0: He's just having He's trouble having in trouble. Yeah,
1: that's that's the end.
0: Sorry, guy. I mean, as dramatic entry exits go, that was that was up
1: there.
2: No idea how far I got. But I'm struggling. You, to you get
0: literally through. got to. I'm having trouble, and Probably. then that was it.
2: Brilliant. That's that's, that's pause. Domestic that's pause. Um, sorry. Uh, so I was saying, I'm having trouble getting past um, um, episode uh, three at the moment. Um, so, you know, it, does it get better? Does it get more exciting? I'm feeling it's kind of slow. And again, big fan of the comics. do they pick up like the comics? Does it get... Should, should I hang on in there?
1: I I, I would. I mean, I, it was certainly slow going. Um, the first two, three episodes. Um, and then it suddenly does get better. Um, there is different twist on the family dynamics um, and how the parents sort of interact with their children. Or um, how the sort of children sort of react to certain things that the parents get up to. Um, it, 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 there's there's quite underlying stories in between, weaved in in between each um, sort of family group, if you like. Um, I thought it was quite a, a fresh take um, on you know mutants and how they're developed. So yeah, I I enjoyed it. I will right. hang in there, watch it.
2: You've sold me. I'll get back to you next week if um if I've stayed on.
0: Good. We will look forward to uh, you coming through, and I think that's a good recommendation. Um, so my recommendation is um, inspired by Tiger King. It isn't Tiger King, but it's inspired <laughs> by Tiger King. Um. Uh, and uh, in doing a little bit of research on this, so I could kind of say when it was from, um, I, I've, I've, I unearthed what I think is an interesting fact that I wasn't aware of about it. So I'm going to explain this through the development phase to see if you, either of you can kind of work out what it is I'm talking about. So it's a comic book story um, that in the mid 80s was actually pitched for, as a Wonder Man story, a Wonder Man limited. Series mm. involving the latter's half brother, Grim Reaper, in which he is buried and ultimately crawls out of his grave. It was turned down, and years later, it was reworked, um, and and that hero crawling out the grave was pitched as a Batman story, where the Joker would have killed the Bat- Batman, um, and this would have effectively turned the Joker sane. Uh, however, it was rejected for being too a little bit too similar to the Killing Joke. It was then reworked again with Hugo Strange in place of the Joker, but again was rejected. So finally it was pitched uh, a Marvel for Spider-Man um, and it was worked through and worked up. Do you know what it is? So now it's Spider-Man.
2: Um, oh. No, I don't.
1: No, you got me as well.
0: So the, the the key line there, which I kind of sped past to not kind of keep you on it, was ultimately crawls out the grave. Um, so sometimes known as Fearful oh. Symmetry, Craven's Last Hunt is a um. uh, run of comics uh, from 1987, where uh, our own the the better Tiger King, Craven the Hunter, um, hunts Spider Man and then takes his um, identity on after. Uh, spoilers, killing him, um, a really, really powerful story, a really, real, really, I, the, 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 some of the imagery of the comic, some of the art of the comic, the, some of the splash pages of the comic really kind of grabbed me and stayed with me. Um, Spider-Man crawling out the grave, the spiders gathering by the, the, the grave as he kind of claws his way out. And that, that level of just absolute, madness that he is after, after going through the, the torment of being buried alive um, by his, his foe who's then taken on his identity um, was uh, just a really powerful story for me. So in honour of Joe Exotic, Craven's <laughs> Last Hunt is uh, my recommendation for everyone to check out.
2: Excellent. Excellent. Will do.
0: And that brings us to another episode of Geeking In um as the news looks like we've got maybe another three weeks of this who knows um then we will continue to to enjoy and geek in with all of you um please get involved in the conversation uh we are at geeking in pod in uh most forms of social media so drop us a follow drop us a like get involved in the chat with us um wherever you are listening to this rate review subscribe and share help us uh geek in more people's homes as we all look after each other during this pandemic Um, and we will speak to you all next week uh, where B will be bringing us Bottom Watch sponsored by Geeking In (laughs) (laughs) Have a good week people Adios
1: Take care